0: Hello, it's James Holland here on We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Now, this is one of our little specials we do from time to time, and what a special one it was too, because earlier today, I went to see General Stuart Watson, who'd been in the 13th, 18th hussars during the Second World War, landed on Sword Beach on D-Day, fought all the way through the Normandy campaign, then was part of 30 Corps' drive up um, towards Arnhem and Operation Market Garden, fought away all the way through those winter campaigns of 1944 and 1945 and was in northern Germany at the beginning of May when the war final end, finally ended. Uh, his is an amazing story and he's an absolutely delightful fellow and I've got to say I could have sat there and listened to him all day but I hope you enjoy it. So Stuart, it's, um, it, it, it's, thank you very much for, for talking to me and um, before we sort of get on to the the, the details of your wartime career, I'm, I'm fascinated to know about where you were brought and born and brought up, and and how you came to join the hussars So, at school, you were brought up in York, and you were you, you went to school um, in Aysgarth to start off with, yes.
2: and then you moved. Yeah, we we moved when I when I first went to school. Right. At that time, we moved in thirty uh, one. So you'd have been what seven? No, I was about. Seven. Eight, I think. Eight right. or, eight or right. nine right. Yeah. Yeah. I was born twenty-two, um, and I was well. there for five years, boarding. Um, do you want to know about that? Well, a little bit. <laughs> well, How well, were you in your studies? Were you, were you a good student? I think not bad. I was head of the school in the end. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty impressive.
0: <laughs> signs of uh, early, early signs of leadership or skills. Something. something. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, it was, it was a good school, I mean, and I enjoyed it. And then um, I went to Winchester, partly because, well, of course, in those days, people went a long way to school. Yeah. Nowadays, you'd just go around the corner. Right. Um, but I went there, and largely because the headmaster of the prep school was a Wiccanist. Right, so, so he had links. So he had links and encouraged people to go there. Yeah. Um, and I went there in '36 and stayed until '41. Um, And how was the. and were you a sportsman as well? Not uh, exceptionally. I mean, I played squash and tennis and we played all the usual games. Yeah. And then um, in 41, of course, we were called up. Um, And I was called up more or less on my 19th birthday.
0: Were you? you, Was that a telegram? I mean, how did that come? Or was that just a letter from the War Office?
2: Well, it just said, you know, you're the next lot to be called up. Right. I'm assuming you knew it was coming. Oh, yes. And I went to Catrick. So. But I mean,
0: how did you feel about that? I mean, did, were you sort of up for it, or were you, was there a sort of sense of. I mean, I imagine if it had been me, I'd have sort of. I'd like to think I'd have accepted it, but I would have sort of. It would have felt like a bit of a sort of dead weight of, of dread.
2: No, I don't think it did, because everybody was in there. Right. And we were all in it together, as some people have said. Um, so, it, it, I mean, it, it was coming right from the start. We knew it was going to happen. The first thing, the first sort of effect of the war, in a way, on on me, was in 1938, Munich time, mm. when people thought the war was about to break out anyway. Yeah. Um, and our dormitory in, in which I looked over the main road to Southampton. Right. And for several days, the, the, several nights, it was just massive traffic military traffic going down to Southampton in 1938 right and then of course there was peace piece in Altar and all that stuff yeah um
0: so there was a real sense that the nation was gearing up oh, for yes. war
2: oh yes yes um and then they built an air road shelter in the at the house um in which uh, I think all the houses had air raid shelters, and when right. I say air raid shelters, I mean proper yeah. things. And we slept sort them. of concrete bunkers underneath. Yes, the and we slept them um, quite a lot. Not every night, but in 1940, we used to sleep there. But it wasn't yeah, I bet we must have heard the bombing of Southampton and Portsmouth and so on. I suppose so. What the mainly was the effect was this, hearing the aeroplanes flying, uh, the German aeroplanes flying over, going up to the Midlands and that kind of thing. Right, going up to Coventry and, and all these places. So you're lying in your bed, you can hear them pondering over, can you? you couldn't hear them in the air <laughs> right? You could, I mean, you, you knew there was German air traffic. Yeah, um, and in nineteen, late nineteen forty, it was quite constant.
0: I mean, did you? Did, was there a sense of anger or excitement or, 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 Well, of course, the first, first dramatic thing that happened was Dunkirk, which was a bit depressing.
2: Mm. Um, and again, if you're in Winchester, you'd have been, you'd have presumably seen trains. Yes, we well, saw people coming back. A bit, yeah, they mostly, of course, came by train actually. Mm. Um, except the local ones. But that was the first sort of drama, in a way.
0: And are you all reading the news? Do you have that sort of facility oh, yes, at Winchester? Yes, yes.
2: We're certainly reading the paper. I suppose we had a radio. We must have done, I think. <laughs> um, no television, of course.
0: So was your last, your last term wasn't the summer term of 1940. It was, was 41. No, I, I left in summer term 41.
2: Right. Helped with the home guard a bit. Did you? Was that a school oh, one? It wasn't from back at home. No, that was at home. It was a local Home Guard um, unit, which was run by the Beelbred and Bold, really. I mean, the commanding officer it was about 65, I think. <laughs> um, it, was, it was quite interesting, really, because he'd he been a, a regular soldier, and he had one or two sort of things which he bothered about. I mean, he set up his headquarters quite near where we were living. Mm. And I remember vividly that he was always worrying about headed postcards. <laughs> Anyway, we got some headed postcards in the end. But uh, people were quite enthusiastic about it. We got involved at the beginning, my brother and I, in receiving evacuees. Right. And our evacuees came from Hull. Right. um, Which was about 40 miles away. They mostly came by train. Some of them came by bus, I think. And there were two days. The first day was children over five with teachers, with one case each and a gas mask and that was about it and they came to the village and the parish council were all formed up in their best kit to receive <laughs> um and they were t- they were sent out to farms and things around the village yeah where well, there's a bit of room presumably where there was quite a lot of room i don't know how many we had i think we might have had 50 something like that in the village well, come to the village yes yeah and uh, my brother and I, I'd just passed the driving test about a fortnight before, <laughs> so we drove. <laughs> what these. were you driving? What were your first wheels? Well, my father had a singer. Did he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was quite a well, car didn't last very long. It was very good, actually, but he, he, all, he changed his car every year pretty well, which people did rather than those Yeah. Days. And um, it was an open car. He always had a thing with a let-down roof. Um, anyway, we drove them out to these farms and things, and of course they'd never been in the country before. They didn't know really about things like cows, right? Uh, yeah. and, and one of the one of the farms, which was near where we were actually living, through a sort of park, and they had to come that way. They had to walk that way to get to school, which they found rather worrying mm. because they didn't know about cows or anything. Right, like yeah, right. Um, they never they'd never eaten butter, for instance. Anyway, they, they, they came with teachers, the, with the odd teacher, one teacher to, I suppose, a dozen children or something like that, yeah. and went to the village school. Um, but uh, quite a lot of them went, and then the second day was mothers and smaller children, up to, up to the age of five. It was an amazing operation. I mean, yeah. you think of the thousands and thousands in the country who were being evacuated Yeah, in two days. Mm. Extraordinary. Um, and it worked very well on the whole. Um, it's in indigenous part, it may have been more difficult in the cities. I think.
0: So, what was the mood in your household? I mean, were you kind of sort of was it sort of weary resignation that you were having to help out, or was there a sort of sense of excitement
2: about it all? No, I think people were quite interested. Right, right. sort of right. social experiment almost. Yeah, of course, my parents had been in the First War. My father was the in the First War. Oh, right. Where where had he served?
0: Well, he was a sapper. Right. He, he, Had he been on the Western Front or Railway? No, well?
2: he, didn't. he only went to Front. He, ra- he was rarely in, in the transport side. He ran the railways. Right. He was, he ran of a course, railway, he was a railwayman. Right? He ran a railway anyway. And that went on for about a couple of months, I suppose. And then, mm. I was, then I was called up in October Yeah. and I went to Catrick. And it's called up time. And it's called up time. So I was called up then, and I went, we, went, we went to a training regiment in Catrick.
0: And it was always army. going to be army, was it? There was no, you didn't. There was no thoughts of joining the RAF or navy. No, anymore. it not didn't kind well, didn't, didn't of occur really. I mean, they said you know, come here, and I went out so Right, I mean, you know, to, okay. to
2: to the army. But if they'd said report to Portsmouth or Dartmouth, you no, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't. Have, they would have offered it. I mean, if you said I don't want to go in the army, I don't want to go in the navy, you probably could have done. Right, but I didn't. Didn't, Just, ar- didn't arise. Right. So we were in katrick for only about three weeks. It was incredibly cold.
0: Yeah, it's a bleak old place somewhere, isn't it? But it, was, it was even colder than that. Yeah. What well, is amazing about the wartime years, that, which worked massively against the fighting armies, was that it was just miserable winter after miserable winter. Yes, it was. I right? mean, they were brutal, those
2: winters of the Second World War. That, that one um, was forty-one. It was particularly cold. I mean, we went we went up in October, and it, it was we it didn't. It snowed. It did actually snow? Did it really? Yeah. Not much. Yeah, it did. And then they said, well, you know, we don't need so many training regiments, and they folded it up. The, the, the armoured corps regiment in Caterick, and we moved to
0: Tidmouth. So already you knew you were going to do armour, did you? Yes, it was an armoured corps training regiment, right. And, but you had no say in this. It's just it just happened, or did you have a choice? Because I mean, if you join the army, presumably you can say I'd rather be infantry or engineer.
2: Yes, or- I, sp- I suppose we did. I don't remember making it, but yes, I think we must have done. Okay, and that was that lasted when I got to Tidworth. Um, that that was November, um, and I was eventually. I did a um, what wasn't called an RCB in those days, but yeah. it was a similar thing. Um, so this is the Commission Board. Yes. Um, I went to um, Octu Sandhurst. That in those days was mainly infantry. Yeah, infantry cadets,
0: because there were Octus all over the place. Well, not all over the place, but they were. Well,
2: there were lots. Yeah, the Armoured Corps had three. Right, one at Sandhurst, one at Blackdown, and one somewhere else. Probably one was the one down south in sort of Bovington Way, Dorset. No, the, the most southerly one was Blackdown, Camberley. We th- we then went to a pre, so-called pre Octu. Right. Which was simply filling in time. Right. In the vacancies in the octu And all we did was sort of drill and weapon training. That's all. Right. And that was about a month, I think. And then I went to Sandhurst. <coughs> in those days, the Sandhurst course. the Sa- Sandhurst was mainly infantry, but it had a so-called armoured wing. Yeah. And we actually had tanks and things.
0: Oh, did you? Yeah. And what were they? sort of all Valentines
2: and Matildas and things. Yes, and Covenanters. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we used to go out and do a bit of sort of troop training mm-hmm. on, on Blackdown. Um, I just outside Camberley. That was four months, and I actually went to Richmond in December. Right. On commission. Right. My sovereign's parade, was in yep. the beginning of December. Um, and that they were, they were then in Skipton. Hmm. in New
0: yorkshire and had when at what point did you join the Eighteenth Hussars?
2: december the 4th that year
0: right but did you but had you already so you finished sandhurst you're you're commissioned well, second I, lieutenant yeah are you then so they, they
2: are you then told you're going to the 1318 Hussars, or have you already no, got that lined up before that i originally thought i was going to the skins right and for various reasons that fell through okay luckily uh and it so happened as the, the contact officer for the Thirteenth 18th at Sandhurst, right, sort of looked after the regiment's interest. Said, "Why don't you come to my regiment?" So I said, "Well, okay." That was the Thirteenth Eighteen. Um So anyway, the i on the fourth on the of December, I think it must have been. I reported to Skip, Skip, Skipton, right, Second Lieutenant Watson, um, and we were there. Until April. And straight in as a troop commander, presumably. Yes. I had uh, two coundters and a crusader. Right. <laughs> Amazing. And we did quite quite intensive training. We used to do a lot of night driving and all that sort of thing. Right. And
0: uh, and as an officer, did, when you were doing yeah, your training, I mean, did you did you train to do all things?
2: You know i mean as an
0: officer do you need to know how to fire and load and drive and all that kind of stuff and well i've done i've done
2: that before i've mean, right. done that at uh, the training regiment did you quite enjoy it yes we had a rather fierce commanding officer but he was extremely good um brilliant trainer and he no doubt trained the regiment extremely well he didn't come to normandy because he was he was ill right and missed out six weeks before right which was bad luck because he missed out on British Expeditionary Force as well.
0: Because the 13th and 18th, they had been, had they been in France? In BEF, yeah, they had been in the BEF. Yeah. So they then came back, Little reconstituted like, like tanks, yeah, built built themselves up, yeah. So. Before you went, before they went to Normandy, the 13th, 18th hadn't been in action
2: since 1940. No, that's right. Um, we joined. Ninth, we were in Ninth Armoured Division when I joined the British which is was an ordinary armoured division, two brigades. And then when we when we got to Skipton, we, was, we were still in Ninth Armoured. And then we, in um, about April, we transferred to 79th Armoured, and we went. We had Valentines at that stage. Right, and we moved to Suffolk Right, How did you, what did you make of the Valentine? Well it served its purpose but it, I mean it was, a, you know, it was terribly slow and rather thin and, and a hopeless gun I mean, <laughs> So not so, a lot so going so it for it <laughs> It wasn't a good time <laughs> but it served its purpose for us of course because it was DD yep. um, Anyway we, we st- went, we, I think we took the Covenanters and things to, to Suffolk I and mean, we then re-equipped with Valentine for the summer. So is this North Suffolk? Because in that area around there,
0: there's it quite w- a lot of... Wickham Market. Yeah, because there's, there's quite a lot of sort of um, sort of heathland there,
2: isn't there? Well, it? Or- Orford. Yeah. It was, was a training area. It was close to the uh, civilian okay. And we used to train. And coastal, so you could do... And it, yes, and of course, it, it, nobody else could get anywhere near the coast because it was all sealed off. Yeah, of course. Um, but we had this quite big training area north of Orford sort of behind Orlborough, that sort of work. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and we trained. Actually, it's a very trained. nice part of the world, isn't it? Oh, yes. And I knew it extremely well, because we always went to Orlborough for hold it. So that that took us up to, we did a, t- quite extensive training, I mean, brigade level training. Yeah. Um, oh, did
0: you, so a brigade level, does that mean you're training, are you training at all with infantry and artillery? Yes. So it is all arms training? Yes
2: that's really good isn't it yeah we didn't
0: start swimming until november november 43 yeah yeah um so but by this point you're starting to be re-equipped with sherman's no no no
2: no no, we did it all with valentine's dd training and valentine's yes the Shermans didn't arrive until about six weeks before D-Day because I'm they reasons. weren't they weren't ready. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> the Americans were building them, hustling off the production lines in well, Detroit yeah. or what? Yes, yeah. So we did all the exercises in, with Valentines there, and then we stayed down
0: till. And you knew this was for the invasion. This is what you were building up towards. Yes,
2: nobody said so, but it, but it clearly was. Right, you all sensed it. You all knew. Nobody knew what they were doing. Well, they knew that they were going somewhere. Of course, we didn't know where no um we didn't know where until much later on no until the d-day really and then we went up and started dd training in norfolk foot and lakes just behind Lowsoft. Um, and that lasted about a month we we swam in foot and lakes and how did you find
0: it i mean it must have been deeply unnerving wasn't it i mean because you know everything about a tank suggested it's big and heavy and the moment you put it yes, in water it's going to sink and doesn't swim <laughs> and doesn't <laughs> swim so you know there is a certain sort of leap of yes one, faith yes. presumably when you yeah. do it, it for the first
2: time yes uh, it was quite yes and we had uh, we had um the davis escape apparatus which actually w- wouldn't have worked because well, it would have worked for the people who weren't in the in the turret in the, in the, in the tank if they hadn't been able to get out no because it was too big and right. they designed the, a new escape apparatus on the same system as the as the davis one all the anti-amphibious um, tank escape operations. <laughs> <laughs> Which is much smaller. Yeah. A, a lovely board, ring to it. A around your neck. Anyhow, so that, that was quite... Uh, the only dramatic thing about that was that the brigadier came out one night and went in one of the tanks and ran out of petrol.
0: Presumably not while he was in the middle of a lake. Well, it,
2: it was in the lake, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yes, he absolutely, yeah. So what happened? Did it sink? I can't... No, no, it just, it just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a great number of people have given serious rockets. <laughs> <laughs> I can well imagine. <laughs> we went to Dumfrieshire. Up in Scotland? Yeah. The most ghastly place called Holland Castle, which was appalling. How do you get up there? Is it all sort
0: of piled onto trains? Yes. presumably all the tanks are on kind of they low take.
2: wagons and off you go. They were taken by train last year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And they were all sort of typical military moves. I mean they took place first thing in the morning or last thing at night and anyway, we went to Holdham Castle for I think about a month and didn't really do very much there and it was overrun with rats at Rhode Castle. And then we went up to Fort George, um, near Inverness. And there from I suppose the end of January Something like that, beginning of February. So,
0: did you ever do actually DD training in the sea or
2: was it all lakes and things? No, we did it in the sea. You did it, do it in the sea? No, we, it was lakes in, in November. Yep. When Start, you first started doing it in yes. Suffolk. Then, when we went to Scotland, it was in the sea. Wow. In the muddy firth. Crikey. Um, on a big scale, 3D exercises, quite intensive. And we lived in Fort George. I and mean, did you ever, I mean, did, did you lose any men during these exercises? Or any tanks or anything? I think we lost a tank in, in Norfolk. I don't think we lost any in Scotland. I don't remember that we did. Right.
0: By this time, presumably, you're all kind of working pretty cohesively. You know, camaraderie has yes. been established. Uh, yes. You no. know all your men. Yes. You're getting a feel for what it's like being a commander yeah. and an
2: officer. And then I became signals officer at that stage. Okay. After we got to uh, Scotland, um, so I'd done the DD training in Norfolk. I didn't do any DD training in Scotland. I don't think. Although regimental headquarters, which I was in, would have been in DDs, right until Monty changed the plan, right. When he came back from the Middle East and took over Twenty First Army Group, he changed the plan. Yeah, for, for our thing, and instead of being the whole brigade it was only two regiments and it was only two squadrons in each each of the armed regiments with with DDs and the third squadron and R H Q were in landing over the beach anyhow we stayed up there until April and then the DD squadrons A and B went to Gosport and the rest of us went to Petworth Petworth? Petworth in Sussex yes in Petworth House grounds camp tented camp yeah um, and of course the place was absolutely seizing with troops I can imagine you know um, every spa- space was occupied by some kind of unit <coughs> and a lot of security and all that sort of thing and, and, and again quite intensive training but mostly the DDs and at that stage I suppose it, it must have been in April I think we all the Shermans right and we all pretty happy to have them oh yes I mean they were very good much better quite a difference story from Valentine's I mean they went quite quickly they had a better gun not not a very exceptional gun but a better gun but you did have a stabilizing gun gyro on it as well yes oh yes I mean that's quite sophisticated I mean German tanks didn't have that no and a crew of five I mean amazing engine yeah a Canadian two-stroke diesel is that what you had in your one well they all had them yeah um except the DDs which had to have had petrol engines right Five Chryslers, arranged in a circle. Yeah, these multi banks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And of course they had burst into flames so if you looked at them more the less <laughs> <laughs> um, That was that was that was the problem. One of the problems with, with those t- Sherman's that they were they did burst into flames, but they they'd pretty well gone within days of D-Day, and being replaced with diesel ones. They couldn't float the diesel one. Right. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't float, I mean, the balance was wrong or something. Okay. But they did it very well, they never broke down, they were very easy to maintain.
0: And so presumably by this stage, by the time you're in Petworth, you know that it's, that, that whatever it is you're going to be doing is is getting closer.
2: Yeah, oh yes. And and then, um, very few people were allowed to know anything. The commanding officer and the adjutant and squadron leaders knew a certain amount a few weeks before D-Day. Right. Um, but they didn't know where they were going. Right. And we had these fake maps. Right. Um, and what was the. Kong, Kong for instance, was, was on, on these maps. It was called it was Poland. That was the code word for Kong. We didn't actually know until we got into the LCTs. Really? The security was absolutely unbelievable yeah well i mean it just it was an incredible plan it sort of had to be didn't it and it did and it was it
0: worked i mean the germans hadn't had any idea and what, was, what was the kind of you know before you you head off across the english channel i mean what what was what can you remember any sense of what the mood was like were you
2: It was quite were, upbeat in a way it was i mean do you remember the pep talk by monty no i don't actually i'm not i can't remember when he came and he came and saw us in um in Scotland, I remember that. I remember what right. he said. That said that I suppose was our pep talk, as it were. Yeah. He was late. I remember he was late, and he was very, very dirty, British warm. And it was the usual thing when it gather round and mm. all that stuff, and he stood on the hot
0: But did you feel sort of? Can you remember? I mean, what your reaction to it was?
2: I mean, were you? Did you?
0: I mean, did you think, oh, great? You know, he he knows what he's about. Or, or... oh yes, you felt reassured. He, he
2: came with a good reputation, of course. Yeah, having one element and all that. Right. But you felt reassured by what he said. Yes, he, he is. He's a strange man. But <laughs> yes, the answer he yes to that question. Right. He came, I suppose he must have talked for 10 minutes. Yeah. And there were, must have been two or three regiments formed up in the mm. Um And I don't think we saw him again until Normandy. And then he appeared from time to time. Not very often. We mainly saw the corps commander. He came pretty regularly. I mean, he would come, we'd see him about once a fortnight. It was a chap called um, Bugtal,
0: okay.
2: who um, Monty didn't approve of. Right. And as soon as Horrocks was fit, because Horrocks had been wounded, and, and then Monty, he was, then Monty Horrocks said, well, by... I want Horrocks. I think he came back in about August. And he came back and was, had 48 hours every month in Monty's headquarters to recover. Because he'd been wounded by badly. He was an inspiring figure. Who, Horrocks or Bucknell? No, Horrocks. Yeah. I mean, some people couldn't do with him. They thought he was bogus. And that's slightly reflected in uh, in that recent recent book, uh, and uh, Beaver, was it? Yeah.
0: Anthony is a bit, it has to be said, Anthony is a little bit down on Monty and yes, his
2: commanders. <laughs>
0: I know, it's mean of us to tantalisingly leave you there on the eve of D-Day, but uh, please do join us again next week, because next Thursday we'll be bringing out the second part of my interview with Stuart Watson, and he will be landing on D-Day on Sword Beach, I can promise you.
1: So join us then. Cheerio for now.